Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Race with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And as usual, we have a lot to go over on this show. Uh, but first, I'd like to thank our three main sponsors for this episode. That's right, three sponsors this week. American Auto, of course, they just came on board for basically the season, if you will. So they're our main presenting sponsor. That's American Auto Tire and Service, E.J. Wilcoxon, down there on the beach. Um, so, of course, if you need anything done over in that area, over in the new Smyrna, Daytona area, make sure you go to American Auto. We'd also like to thank Speed Racer Photography, Tyler Sontag, supporting a couple episodes of the show here. And we welcome back our newest sponsor here, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that's Ron D'Alessandro, the president of the Florida Southern Ground Pounder, Vintage Cars, whatever you want to call them this year. Uh, appreciate his support and coming back on board and uh, appreciate all of our sponsors here, whether current or past. Uh, appreciate the support. So let's get right on into the show. Of course, so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to start things off by talking about the NASCAR Cup Series race over in California at Auto Club Speedway. Um, a much better show than I thought we were going to get. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was very impressed. So we're going to start there this week and cover that. Then we're going to hear from our guest. We do have an interview segment this week with Jack Hall, uh, driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck now, up from the Bomber A Division last year. So we'll talk to Jack and see what he has in store and kind of see where his mindset is with this whole Pro Truck deal that he's got going on for 2022. And then we'll do a quick uh, Florida Racing Roundup, see what went on this past weekend at the various tracks that we're running. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about whatever else kind of comes to mind. That's the way this show works. I used to write a whole bunch of stuff down and still forget everything. So we're just going to roll right on into it. Let's talk about that NASCAR race. Um, you know, NASCAR needs it needs a revolution again. You know, it's, it's fallen. I, I feel like, especially with, with some of the listeners to this program, it, it's fallen to the wayside. And a lot of you don't really seem to care about NASCAR too much anymore, which is fair, and that's fine. I've had my frustrations with the racing product as well. I still enjoy watching. It's something I really enjoy doing on Sundays, and again, that's why I cover it on my podcast. Um, And I know there's a a wide range of people that like different kinds of things, and I know I don't cover everything that every single person likes and vice versa, but we are going to be talking some some NASCAR here. And, um, you know, they needed this new car, whether you like the look of it whether you like the new number placement, the new wheels, they, it doesn't matter. They needed this car to be successful in the racing product. And I feel like now, of course, we've only had the two races, Daytona, which is its own special kind of beast. I mean, the racing product at Daytona, in my opinion, was great in 2019 and 2020, and then the rest of it sucked. So, you know, Daytona could have been a great show. It could have been a bad show, but it wasn't going to be... Um, an indication of what we're going to see week in and week out. Now, every track is different. Weather conditions are different. Uh, intensity, situational intensity is always different. And not every race is going to be spectacular. Um, you could have the best racing product in the world and still have duds. I mean, look at the 2020 Daytona 500. I said, I love that that racing product and that race still sucked. So not every race is going to be a barn burner. And I was... I, I was you know, cautiously optimistic that the California race, which I'll be honest with you, California Auto Club Speedway, not one of my favorite tracks on the circuit. Not it, I've never really enjoyed California until this Sunday. Um, I 
I thought that was a fantastic race. It was entertaining all the way through. Um, and I can say that because I never got on my cell phone during the race while it was on TV. I was never on my phone looking at what was going on. The only time I was on my phone or checking Twitter or any of that stuff was during the commercial breaks or during yellow flags. I was engaged in the racing, and I'll tell you why here in a bit. So with that said, um, I, it's a small sample size. I, I do want to reiterate that because the the race at Las Vegas coming up this weekend might be a dud and we might be like eh, okay we we got ahead of ourselves so my my exception or expectations remain neutral they remain neutral i'm not going to get so excited that i'm going to let myself down and the reason i still feel that way is because back in 2013 when the gen 6 car at the time when we went from the car tomorrow that ugly thing with the wing and the spoiler braces and the ugh terrible uh, we went to the Gen 6 car, which was, from what I understand, still the same chassis. They just updated some of the components and mostly the body styles to make them look more like street cars. And they did a great job with that aspect. But the racing, and we, we were told that this next-gen car, back Gen 6, I'm talking 2013, was going to revolutionize the racing. We got through Daytona. It was meh. And we went to Phoenix, which is a whole... It's a you know mile-long flat track at the time. So... Yeah, the race was okay for Phoenix standards. And then we started to see Las Vegas, California, and we got much of the same stuff where the field was really spread out, not much action was going on. And it was just kind of like, okay, now that it's just the, the cars look different, but everything else is the same. So, and, and even when they changed the rules packages, 2019, 2020, when it was supposed to be this, you know, high downforce, low horsepower, pack racing garbage that they tried to sell us. And I was on board. I'm not going to lie to you. When, when they said they were going to try to make more pack racing, closer racing, that's what I like. I love side-by-side, -side, close battles for position, close battles for the lead, lots of lead changes. And I was excited for that. I really thought we were going to see that type of date. No, maybe not to the extent of Daytona and Talladega, but maybe you get four, five, six cars drafting off each other, swapping positions, going for the lead, kind of like the trucks used to be at Michigan. That's what I was, that, that's what I thought we were being sold. And it was the farthest thing from the truth. That racing sucked. Those cars were planted to the ground, uh, slot cars, if you will. Nobody could get out of control unless they made contact. And the, the drivers could just kind of get in a position. Clean air was king. Everybody gets spread out, and then you couldn't really do anything. It, and, and that's not good racing. A fast car should be able to come up through, make passes, and I feel like that's what we kind of got on Sunday. So going into Sunday, my expectations were, well, let's just wait and see. I'm intrigued. I was very intrigued. I want to see it. I want to see how this new car does. I want it to succeed. I want NASCAR to come back and be fun again, and I want to be able to talk to people about NASCAR and not have them be like, oh, who cares? Because, uh, truth be told, I, I still care. I enjoy it. I, I followed it since I was a little kid, and I plan to follow it until the day I'm in the ground. So, come hell or high water, it's like I said about, you know, the, the place where I work. Come hell or high water, I'm going to be there, because when it's enjoyable, I want to say that, you know, I, I w was able to, to get through the bad times and really be able to enjoy the good times like I did with Speed Weeks. Um, so, yeah, let's get into the race. Again, my expectations were were subtle, but I was excited. It's a new season. Uh, Daytona was great, like I talked about on the last show. So I went into this week with an open mind. And after I, I, 
I was out Saturday and I came home, watched the Xfinity race. Xfinity race was good. Very, very good. Fun race. Cool to see Bobby Dodder get his win, even if it's just on paper. Um, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that race. And then I said, you know what? It's getting late, but I want to see what happened in qualifying for the cup series. Cause I, I avoided somehow I avoided spoilers for the day. Um, so I turn on the, the practice slash qualifying session, which I really like. I love the 15 minute, 20 minute abbreviated practice sessions go right into qualifying. Love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, packs a whole lot of action into a shorter amount of time. And I was kind of going to fast forward through the practice sessions to get to qualifying or at least get to the last round of qualifying and watch the final 12 go. And no sooner do I hit the fast forward button, there's a car spinning. There's a car hard in the, what is going on? You know, Ross Chastain like knocked the wall down. Uh, Cars were spinning out on their own. Not that spinning out and crashing necessarily makes for good racing, but when's the last time in a cup series race, we just saw somebody lose it on their own and especially three, four, five different guys just spinning out. These cars are on edge. They're hard to drive. Is it the car though, or is it the track surface? That's the other caveat to this. California, very old surface, so not a whole lot of grip. And uh, But I, I honestly think what we saw in practice slash qualifying with all the different spins, I mean, I think seven of the top 12 were actually able to make, or top five, whatever it was, were able to make their uh, top 10, top 10 qualified. I think seven completed their lap. So that means three guys spun out, and uh, I think Joey Logano even tagged the wall but completed his lap. So there was a lot of action. That made me very excited for Sunday because – I figured overnight the teams would, the drivers would start to get a feel for these things after practice and qualifying. They've found the edge. So things were probably going to be toned back. I didn't expect, you know, a caution every two laps, but I expected there to be plenty of action, whether it was cars losing grip, sliding up the track, or uh, cars just looking loose again for the first time in three years, or, or what we did get a lot of cautions. So there was 12 cautions in this race and looking at the stats for 59 laps. So over a quarter of the race was run under yellow, which isn't necessarily what everybody wants to see. Caution laps are not exciting, but that means that there was action. And it was a lot of single car minor spins, which then the tires go flat and that becomes a whole different problem, which I'm really not going to touch on too much because I was listening to another podcast and they said, talking about the tire deal, we're just wasting our breath because it's an obvious issue. So, you know, NASCAR is looking at it. So it, what I'll say about the tire issue is, yeah, we got to figure out a way for these cars to still be able to roll back to the pits with flat tires. Um, obviously, spinning out is not a good thing, so there's a much more severe penalty if you spin out whether you hit anything or not. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of, of different cautions. There were a, a couple of bigger calamities, a couple of, uh, you know, three, four, five car incidents and a lot of single car spins. But man, those spins were in front of a lot of, different cars. So there was action. There was 32 lead changes in a 200 lap race at California. That is the most since they went to the 400 mile format a couple of years ago. That is the most since the old uh, Gen 6 car came in. Um, It's not the most in history, but uh, let, let me, let me, Get, get some stats for you to to say why I, I feel like the lead change thing is is a good sign. Um, so looking at at lead changes here, since they went to that other package, 18, 16, 16, 17, the highest before 32 this year with the lead changes was 26 and 2016 
when they had higher horsepower. Uh, in 2016-2015 was a much better rules package to the to, to the general folk out there. So this was the most lead changes since 2014, the second year of the Gen 6. And it, I mean, you could combine almost the last two races and not have 32. Um, it's right there. Yeah, it's not even close to 32. So 32 lead changes, 12 yellow flags, which go, looking back, the last time there were double-digit cautions was 2008, the first race with the Cara tomorrow. And that thing was a hunk of junk. But uh, before that, 11 a couple of different times. So we didn't break the record, but we matched the record in yellows. And, and the reason I talk about the yellows is people love restarts. Anytime you go to a race and there's a restart, what do you do? You stand up. Everybody stands up. A majority of the crowd stands up, right? So people like restarts. When you have 12 yellows, you get restarts. Restarts produced a lot of passing. That helped with the 32 lead changes. There wasn't any green flag pit stops, which for some, maybe that took away a caveat of this race that they enjoyed. But for me, I'm not a huge fan of the pit stops, especially now it's one wheel. If you can't get one wheel on in under nine seconds or 10 seconds, then you better get to practice. And um, yeah, pit stops are very important. You do get a lot of shakeups on the pit stops. I mean, it ruined Ryan, Ryan Blaney's day. That's for sure. They couldn't figure out a pit to save their lives. Um, but for me, a green flag pit stop isn't necessary. I think that just spreads out the field even more. I like the racing to be close. Now, this wasn't pack racing at all. Uh, you know, you, you'd get two, three laps after a restart and they'd start settling in. But what I liked is there was comers and goers. People could pass. You could come up through the field. Chase Elliott did it twice came up through the field. Kyle Larson started in the back and came up through the field, ultimately to win, much to my chagrin. Um, but there was, I mean, there are names all throughout this that were very surprising. A couple of those surprises, like where the heck did they come from? Because there was some wild action towards the end of the race, but there are a few up here that um, ran well all race long, and we'll get to those in a minute. But what I liked, again, like I said earlier, I never got bored. I never got to the point where I was browsing my phone and not paying attention to the green flag action that was on. No, I watched this on TV, so a lot of commercial breaks. So I was on my phone. But when the green when the green flag action was on the television, I really enjoyed what I saw. So that gives me hope. Now, obviously, uh, I don't have the, I didn't have the same expectations that I did in 2013 or 2019 when they said we we're going to have these new rules packages that were going to revolutionize the racing. This car is revolutionary. It is. It had to be. It had to be better than what we had. And I think the big thing that is going to help with this car is the lack of side force. Those old, the old chassis car, the Gen 6, the car tomorrow, they had those big sides and big old quarter panels that you could lean on, literally lean on them in the corner for side force, downforce, and support to help you keep the car under control. Now the car is symmetrical for the most part. Now teams are going to take every advantage in the gray area that they can to kick those things sideways and gain that side force back. And, and they'll continue to improve on the handling of these things. So it's not just like every race we're going to have 12 wrecks or 12 spinouts or 12 cautions. We might get more, we're going to have less. But with the lack of side force, these cars are much more on edge. They've taken away downforce. Now the teams are going to find downforce. That's what they did with the old package. They had so much and they kept finding more. And they're going to do what they have to do to keep these things under control. You don't want to see a car that's impossible to drive, but you do want to see them getting loose. You want to see a mistake really, you know, hamper 
the, the driver. If you get loose off the corner, you want to lose, you want to see them lose positions because the goal is to go as fast as you can and keep your car under control, not go far, you know, as far out of control to where you're sideways and you're wrecking and you're burning up your tires. You want to find the edge and run the edge and not go over. It's like dirt racing, run the cushion, but don't jump it. Um, so these cars are much more on edge. And I think that's a good sign. Um, so going into Las Vegas, before I get to like my thoughts on the finishing positions and the overall thing, um, I, I think Vegas will have less cautions. I think we'll have, of course, we got this two stage breaks. So there's two yellows. I think we'll have four or five spins slash incidents just kind of on their own uh, naturally in the Vegas race, which I think will be plenty because last Vegas race, the playoff race last year, that was one of the most boring races I ever sat through. I had friends over and we looked at each other afterwards and goes, well, that sucked because the cars were playing to the ground. There wasn't going to be a caution unless we had a restart and cars made contact. And, you know, when the cars are just glued to the ground and you can't pass because dirty air and the aerodynamics is so important, that ain't racing. That was garbage. So I think this Vegas race is going to be much better this weekend. Now, I'll be watching it uh, probably Sunday night when I get home, so i got to try to avoid spoilers again, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm not. It's not going to be as exciting as Daytona to me, the feeling I get when I wake up on Daytona 500, uh, Daytona 500 Sunday all excited, but I'm gonna, I'll be excited to get home from my, my family plans, kick back, have a Miller Lite, and watch some racing, and I think I'm going to enjoy it. And what I want to say, my overall thoughts of California... I give it a 10 out of 10 for a California race. It was the best flag-to-flag California race I've ever watched. wasn't the best finish because, to me, that still goes to 2011 when Kevin Harvick chased down uh, the 48 of Johnson and passed him in the final corner. That was phenomenal. That's going to be hard to reproduce. The 2013 finish was also very good with with Kyle Busch and and getting around Danny Hamlin and Joey Logano. But, to me, my favorite all-time finish at California was Kevin Harvick beating Jimmy Johnson. That was awesome. Great moment. Um, the finish was good. It was a great little dash to the finish, and I thought we are going to get an upset winner, and we didn't. Kyle Larson, who, as you guys know, if you've listened to this show or you know me, I'm not a huge... I, I don't hate the guy. It's not that I'm not a fan. I'm just I'm sick of him winning. And I remember saying with about 10, 15 to go, I'm like, oh, God, that five car's right up in the mix. You watch. Things are going to go his way. And sure enough, they did. But there was some great racing. It's not like he just got out there and dominated, and it was boring as all hell. He only led 28 laps. The dominant car of the day was actually Tyler Reddick, which was very refreshing. I thought for a while he was going to win the race, and I thought we were going to have two first-time winners to start the year for the second year in a row. But Reddick had a flat tire, and then William Byron got loose below him and just wiped him out, which was bizarre. Um, and, of course, Fox really, they, they kind of missed the whole aftermath of that. They got the one good shot, and it took them about five minutes of what the heck was William Byron doing to realize that as the eight car was up in the groove with a flat tire, uh, William Byron tried to cut his car low and cut it too quick and got, with these cars, you can't turn them on a dime and not get out of shape. And what happened was William tried to cut low to, oh God, there's a car running the groove I want to be in. Oh, I got to get low, got to get low. Got loose, overcorrected, and sideswiped the eight car. And it took Fox five minutes to figure that out. Um, and apparently people still missed it. So uh, that was that was bizarre and, and definitely cost Tyler Reddick a, a if not the win, a good finish. He was going to finish in the top five. There's no doubt about it. Even if Larson were to outduel him at the end in a restart or something, because that's Larson is probably the best driver in the field, the most raw talent of any driver in this field right now, and he's with a good team. And I think what what Larson has done 
just to prove that I'm not hating on Kyle Larson, the guy. I'm really not. Um, I think that what he has shown the last year and a half or year or so is that he overachieved greatly in that Ganassi equipment. Because you put Ross Chastain and Matt Kenseth in there, and they did diddly squat. But Kyle Larson was winning races in that equipment and was a, a, a lock for the playoffs pretty much every year except his rookie year. So, I mean, it just shows that now he's got the, the equipment and he's got the talent and he's got the field covered and he's going to win at least eight races this year. I'm calling it. He's going to win at least eight races. Do I want him to? No. Do I know he's going to win a couple more times? Absolutely. Yes, it's going to happen. And I got to tell you, him winning the race – Although it was disappointing because I was really rooting for Daniel Suarez for the upset, uh, it didn't ruin how I feel about the race. It was a phenomenal race. It just didn't end up with who I necessarily wanted to be in victory lane. And I, I was able, I, at first I was like, dang, so close, so close to getting a surprise winner, a new winner, a fresh winner over somebody that won 10 times last year. Darn, that was a little bit of like, ah, uh, buzzkill. But the race was so good that I was still able to enjoy it. And I wasn't mad about it. I was like, oh, like just how I felt about Daytona, like with, with Blaney being so close. And yes, I like Bubba Wallace. He was close too. I'm sure I just lost listeners there. Sorry, too bad. Go watch the documentary on, on Netflix. I'm not finished yet, but it was pretty good. It, it has been pretty good. Um, but yeah, Kyle, Kyle Larson didn't dominate this race, found himself in a good position. When William Byron and Tyler Reddick got in that incident with about 40 to go, I believe it was, um, that really changed the game. And for a while, it looked like maybe it was going to be the 22 Logano who was going to steal this thing. And then it looked like Daniel Suarez, who got by Kyle Larson with about four laps to go. And actually, funny thing about Daniel Suarez, never officially led the race. He had the lead for about three quarters of a lap, but he never led it to start finish line. So he never got credited with leading this race, even though he almost won the thing. That is crazy. But uh, to, to have 32 lead changes... Over 10 different leaders in this thing. I'm not going to sit here and count them because that doesn't make good audio. But you had comers and goers. You had different players. It wasn't just Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, and Chase Elliott up front all day. You had Eric Jones, who qualified second, mind you, which just even posting a top five time means you were able to control your car. Um, And I thought, okay, Austin Sendrick, and Eric Jones on the pole. What a wacky qualifying session. They won't be around in the end. Austin Sendrick Austin ran in the top 10 most of the day, finished 12th. Uh, late race shuffles got him uh, shuffled back a little bit. And Eric Jones actually led portions of the race, almost won a stage, and finished third. Uh, Eric Almarola spun out, finished sixth. Do you know that Eric Almarola is the only driver in both races so far this year to have top 10s in both races, fifth at Daytona, now sixth at California? Do you know that Daniel Hemrick finished ninth? Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished 10th. Austin, where the heck did he come from? Dylan finished second. Eric Jones, third. Daniel Suarez, fourth. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Look at these names. And this was at California. This wasn't at Daytona. This wasn't at Bristol or some other track where horsepower is not important. This is one of the toughest, fastest, most challenging on equipment tracks that we run on where normally... The Hendricks, the Gibbs, the Penske's fill up the top 10. And you have, of course, Rick Hendrick won with Kyle Larson. He, I, I feel like Kyle Larson won this race on pure talent and not just he had the best car. Now, he had a great combination of both. Don't get me wrong. But you had your, okay, so you have Rick Hendrick, Richard Childress, 
Petty GMS Racing, Trackhouse, Roger Penske, five different organizations in the top five. Then you have Stuart Haas in sixth, 23XI Racing, eighth, Colleague Racing, and JTG. Nine different teams in the top ten, you guys. Nine teams. The only team, listen to this, the only team with two drivers in the top ten, Stuart Haas, with Almirola and Kevin Harvick, sixth and seventh. Now, I, I seriously did not even look at that before I started the show. I didn't, like, have that written down to go over. I literally was just piecing that together live as we, we're talking through this, okay? That is astonishing. The top Joe Gibbs car, 13th, Martin Truex. Then they had Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin, 14th and 15th. And then their other car was uh, Bell, who finished dead last because he had problems. I mean, tell me that kind of parody. Where have we seen that in the last 10 years? We haven't. Garrett Smithley, 21st in Rick Ware equipment on the lead lap. Crazy. And it's not like all the crashes led to a whole bunch of attrition. Uh, 30 of the 36 cars finished at least 98 laps. Michael McDowell uh, down seven with electrical issues. But only one, two, five car, five cars out of the race. So it wasn't a wreck fest. These guys didn't luck into those positions. These teams are more or less on more equal ground than we've seen in years. And I, I feel like, yes, we get to the midsummer, and you're Gibbs, you're Penske, you're Hendrick. They're going to be the guys that have the most wins and are up near the points. Absolutely. The, the top teams are going to still be the top teams. But what I see with this, and the whole reason I, I, I feel like this is worth talking about at the beginning of the show, is to say that we're going to see a change. And, and we're going to see more drivers and more teams be able to be competitive. Now, is Spire Motorsports going to win the championship? No. Are they going to qualify for the playoffs? Probably not. And if they do, they won't make it out of the first round. That's just the, the, the top will remain. You know, the cream will remain at the top. But it's refreshing that we could see, kind of like back in the 90s when like Dick Trickle would randomly finish third or Rich Bickle would finish in the top five at the Brickyard. And you'd get these random finishes. And I feel like we saw a little bit of that today, and it gives me hope. It gives me hope that the Sundays are not going to be as boring and as predictable as they have been, what I feel like, over the last 10 years. Now, maybe Vegas will bring me back down to earth. Maybe it'll bring us all back down to earth. And I'll get on here, and I'll be like, well, Vegas was Vegas. It wasn't that great. Oh, and by the way, Kyle Larson's probably going to win again. That, oh, by the way, that's my pick, so we'll see how smart I am. But I feel like there has been a change, and it's enough of a change to really not only pique my interest again, but maybe get you guys back on board to where even if you don't watch it religiously on Sundays anymore, every now and then you're, you're, you're worn out from being at the racetrack on Saturday and you just want to hang around with the family, put the race on in the background, throw something on the grill, and drink some beer. Or, you know, just hang out with the family on the couch and have a family day, but you'll watch the races again. That, that's, that's what I'm getting at because, let, let's be honest, we're listening to this podcast. You, you, you know you're a damn race fan if you want to listen to me. So... You know, I'm not saying, oh, everybody's got to be a NASCAR fan. I'm not saying there's there's not things to criticize a lot of the tire deal um, with, with the flats and, and drivers losing laps because they have flat tires. But, you know, the stuff's there's always going to be growing pains with the new car. So let's let's be let's remain optimistic and know that uh, we're probably not going to see the same type of race every week. But I, I'll be interested to see as we go on. I will be talking more NASCAR here to see if this kind of good good stuff. And I'm going to say this was good stuff. I'm going to see if this kind of thing continues and i hope it does because it, it sunday at california the auto club speedway was very refreshing and congratulations to kyle larson 
you got your win. Now let somebody else win. Let, let some different people win this year and don't make me get mad at you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. So there, there you have it. There's my thoughts on the new car at Auto Club. I, I Man, I, I'm hopelessly optimistic, but again, I'm still not going to get my expectations out of whack. Let's get through Vegas. If we have another great race at Vegas, then maybe NASCAR has finally hit the nail on their head. They've gotten their smartest engineers together and figured this crap out. So we can have good racing again on Sundays, whether you like the new car or not. Give it a chance. Watch on watch on Sunday, and 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 we'll go through it together uh, on the next episode. So again, my uh, pick for Vegas is Kyle Larson. He won there last year, but it's just wiped last year and the whole last gen off the table. We're starting fresh, but Larson on pure talent, he's the guy right now. He can he can win in anything. Next gen car, old gen car. Hell, give him a gen three car and he'd probably go out there and whoop everybody's butt with the same engine so that's my pick i'll be uh, recapping the vegas race and we'll we'll see how it compares to this one but man like i said i just i really enjoyed uh, the race at california and i hope that means a, a good season ahead for nascar um so now we'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll hear from jack hall as he has uh, already had two different racetracks on the books. He'll be getting ready for his third different racetrack here this weekend. So we'll have our interview with Jack Hall, and then we'll do a uh, Florida racing roundup with all the news and who did what at which track from this past weekend to end the show. Oh, one final thought on the California race. Uh, The ending, the incident with Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Um, I don't know how I didn't think to talk about that, in the initial segment, but I did want to touch on it real quick before we get to the interview. Um, I feel like that's a racing deal. You know, you're inside of 20 to go. You got to go like it's go or lose a race time. Just ask Daniel Suarez, make the wrong move and you'll lose a race. So I feel like in, I believe Kyle Larson that he did not know that Chase Elliott was making a bottom to top move. He, he pulled out a line and dove to the top and they ran out of racetrack. So, um, if you want to blame anybody on that, you can blame the spotter, but I, I just feel like that's a racing deal. Um, the five cars racing the 22. He was more concerned with the 22 car in that situation. Chase tried to go three wide into turn one where everybody's trying to get to the top side. So I think Kyle was, he, he knew the 22 was to his inside. He wanted to get to the, get to the high groove and build up that momentum. And Chase happened to be there and Chase paid the price. Chase had a bad day. Um, I think that uh, Chase made it interesting by having the car disabled, if you will, break and then spin out. We get that final restart that really made things fun there at the end. So um, I, I I think if, if Chase didn't get walled there, he probably won that race. So Kyle made a late block, put Chase in the wall, and it happened, but that's part of racing. So I'm not going to blame that on Kyle. Uh, put the blame on his spotter if you want to, but maybe if Chase Elliott would have stayed in line and not gone all the way to the outside. Maybe he would have still won the race anyway. So uh, a lot of what ifs in that situation, but uh, did want to touch on that real quick, chalking it up to a racing deal. Now here's the interview. (laughs) This week's edition of the Racing with Ryan podcast is brought to you by our primary sponsor, American Auto, celebrating 33 years in business, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach. Give them a call at 386 Four two eight one nine four one for all your tire slash service needs. They will take care of you. Like I said on last week's show, 
Um, if you need something done, they're going to do it honestly, and they're going to address the problems honestly. And if there's something they can't handle, they're going to tell you exactly where to go to get it handled. And trust is a huge thing that, that factors into a lot of people's decisions about where to go for car service or tires or any kind of automobile issues. And uh, I can tell you from experience that American Auto will take care of you. And we appreciate them supporting this little podcast as we get off the ground here. American Auto, the primary sponsor of the Racing with Ryan podcast. We'd also like to thank Speed Racer Photography and Tyler Sontag for their support for the last couple of episodes. Of course, if you need any photos, hero cards, uh, framed memorabilia, any of that kind of stuff, make sure you get with Tyler at Speed Racer Photography. You can find him on, uh, not YouTube, find him on Facebook. Uh, Tyler Sontag Speed Racer Photos. They'll take care of all your racing photography needs. And of course, we welcome, well, we welcome back 124 Welding and Fabrication slash Ron D'Alessandro Racing. Uh, they've supported the show in the past, and they're back for a number of episodes now. And uh, I got to tell you, Ron made some trophies that uh, were some of the most amazing pieces of art I've ever seen for the Ground Pounder uh, Championship program that they did. Um, he took every class and made a special... Um, it's like a metal plaque slash championship trophy. And, uh, you've got to see it to believe it. Uh, I think you can find it on the ground pounder page on Facebook, but Ron can basically make anything out of metal that you can think of. Hence the welding and fabrication part of this deal. So if you need anything like that, any art, uh, check out his Etsy page. Um, it's 124 welding and fabrication, or just talk to Ron Alessandro at the racetrack. He's usually around new Smyrna. Um, if you need like special plaques or trophies that aren't just a, a plastic thing from the store, get with Ron. He can make you pretty much anything that'll serve as a real good trophy. And I think I'm going to talk to him about maybe doing something for the banquet at New Smyrna this year because I think what he did for the ground powders was exceptional. So big thank you to Ron D'Alessandro and 124 Welding and Fabrication for supporting this week's episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. <laughs> All right, so on the Racing with Ryan hotline this week, we have none other than Jack Hall, driver of the Double O Pro Truck now. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Well, you've made quite the jump this year. Uh, Last year, kind of your first foray into Florida racing with the bomber car that you primarily raced at New Smyrna and then ventured over to Auburndale. What made you want to get into the pro truck ranks? I've always kind of had a soft spot for... Uh, racing trucks. When I was growing up in Indianapolis, my dad and I always went to the NASCAR truck race at Indianapolis Raceway Park, or oh. IRP as most people know it. Yeah, that's a good um, one. That was that was something I always kind of stuck with me. Um, so, you know, once I got down here and saw that pro truck division, it reminded me a lot of that experience growing up. And I also liked the fact that you can take that truck and race it all around the state um some divisions are definitely kind of landlocked at one track Mm -hmm. with the way they write the rules so being able to take that truck do i won't say minimal work during the week because there's no such thing as minimal work on a race car no but just yeah just doing you know a couple little things here and there to get things set up but not having to do any major changes and being able to experience all the tracks around here was a huge draw too so it just kind of seemed like the right move for us well, I mean, already you've raced at New Smyrna a couple times during Speed Weeks, of all things, and then just this week you were at Auburndale, correct? Absolutely, yeah. It's two, two totally different worlds. 
So what has to go in? I, I mean, like, like I said, two totally different worlds. So what goes into racing at New Smyrna ver- versus these bull rings? What, what all do you have to do to the truck to make it work? Uh, I'll give you a better answer when we're a little bit faster, but <laughs> it's um it's not as much as we had originally thought. Um, tires is the one big thing. Mm-hmm. You have to run different tires. You know, we run the Hoosiers at New Smyrna, and you run the American Racers over at Auburndale. So um, trying to you know make sure we have the right stagger and all sorts of stuff there we've been kind of messing with our cross weight um, we've had to change the cross weight going to the smaller track um, we're working on springs right now trying to find the right spring combination and how much sway bar to put into it um, but it's really not anything we were um, surprised with we actually expected to have to do a little more work so um, it's, it, it's enough to keep you busy the other big thing is changing the rear gear obviously when a track's right. twice as big you have to run a different gear in the rear end that's not exactly a hard job but it's a time-consuming job so um, it's just little things that keep you busy during the week but nothing that's not manageable now i'm not too technically versed but I, the the gear was the big thing that i know because of obviously the longer straightaways you got to have the, the different gear so it's interesting to hear all the little technical things that you want to work on to, to make your truck in this instance, get around those smaller tracks versus new Smyrna. Um, now how did it go over there at Auburndale? It, it may not have looked spectacular from the grandstands, but we learned so much that it was kind of a win for us. Um, we took the truck back there in January and tested it on an open practice night. Mm -hmm. And between that night and the race night we just had, we lost, um, basically another second off our lap time. So at New Smyrna last week, um, from Friday to Saturday, we lost a second off our lap time. And then this weekend at Auburndale, we dropped another second. So even though we may not have finished great, I think we came in like 15th out of 18. Um, but we didn't break anything. So that's always a good night in our books. Absolutely. Just that, that race against ourselves was kind of the win in itself. So what's the goal for this season? Is it to learn or are you hoping to be more competitive? I mean, obviously you want to go out there and, and do as well as you can, but what, what's the goal? I mean, yeah, definitely learning every week. Um, but I feel like that should be everyone's goal in racing all the time. When you stop learning, you stop going faster. So um, I think learning is going to be a huge thing. Just getting seat time in the truck, you know, it's so different than the front wheel drive car. It's just going to take some time to get it figured out and then fine tune from there. But absolutely we want to be more competitive you know we want to be racing for top tens top fives if we find ourselves in the right spot you never know if you can you know squeak something better than that out but um, as long as we keep going faster every time learning about the truck because it's still new to us you know we've only had it for maybe two months at this point so the more we can learn about it and you know learn what this truck likes um, it's all going to be good stuff that's going to get us a lot more competitive see i i like that goal because if you can get it to go faster, the faster you go, the more comfortable you get, the more confidence you get, the more positions you'll probably gain here as we go. And, you know, I, I feel like you did a good job seeing you at, at New Smyrna uh, for two nights at Speed Weeks. I felt like you did a good job first time out with a new vehicle. You kept your nose clean. You stayed out of trouble, as most people did. It was a rather clean weekend of racing for the pro trucks. And I feel like that seat time was pretty invaluable. Yeah, I feel like we gained a lot of lap time just based off of me getting more comfortable driving it. Um, you know, I felt pretty confident in that bomber car. I could kind of make that thing go wherever I wanted, but the truck drives completely different. And, you know, not just going faster and having more horsepower, but, you know, where you're getting on the throttle, how hard you can get on the throttle, where you brake, how much brake you have to use. It's just completely different. So 
seat time alone was good for a couple of tents. We did find some problems with the brakes and stuff that helped us gain some time too, but I'm pretty sure next time we go back, our laps are going to be even quicker. Well, that's going to be, for me, that's going to be fun to watch, knowing where you started at last year, new to the track in, in the, in the beginner class, if you will, and now up into these trucks and, um, you know, seeing, you know, as you're learning right now, maybe not fully where you want to be, it'll be fun to watch you as you go, no matter where you run, whether it be at Auburndale or, or New Smyrna or somewhere else, it'll be interesting to, to watch the, the progress because I, I feel like you're the kind of guy who's not just going to sit back and be okay with, with running towards the back half. You're, you're going to want to be working on the truck, getting better, finding that speed and, and working yourself up into a more competitive basis, if you will. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, last year in the bomber during world series, my first race in that car, I came in like 12th or 13th, something like that. And then, you know, after seven or eight races as the season went on, I was able to meet you on the front stretch for a top three interview. So the more work you put into these things, the, you know, the more it pays off. Well, I remember that because I was like, Oh cool. We got this, this new guy out there. We had a bunch of new people last year and some of them kind of faded off, but you were one that I noticed really, you gained a lot throughout the season. You became competitive. Now, obviously, the season didn't go exactly how you wanted. You, you ran into some some issues that took you off the the track for a couple months. And um, I, I I I don't want to bring it up if you don't want to talk about it. But hopefully, those are in the rearview mirror, and you can just go all forward and and really you know really focus on the racing this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't mind talking about it. I'm actually at a point where I'm very comfortable talking about it. Hopefully I can spread some awareness. Um, for those who don't know, he's talking about some medical trouble I had last year. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I ended up missing about half the season, spent some time in the hospital over the summer. And then again, in the fall, ran into more troubles because of that disease and missed the whole end of the season. So this year we're hoping that that's not going to be a factor, but um, honestly, racing has kept me going through all of those struggles you know when you're that sick you hit a lot of low points and having this truck to work on you know going through all the excitement of this new racing adventure has really given me the motivation to keep going so it it goes a lot more than just turning left and going fast well i think that's great to to hear that because i i feel like some people take this racing business that we're in like a bit too seriously and don't have as much fun with it as they can. And to hear that this is the thing that gripped you and kept you going through that struggle last year, I think that's a great thing. Because that's, I mean, I, I've been there. I've been through low points, and I always look forward to to either watching the racing or or, or having a race to go to or watching on TV or what have you. I, I think it's very important that we have that still in our minds as we race at this level because sure, we'd all like to go out there and win all the races and take home all the money. But at the end of the day, we still got to have fun with it and it sounds like even through everything you've been through that you're still in that mindset oh yeah absolutely i'm pretty sure i've never had more fun getting last place at world series i was just <laughs> so happy to be just so happy like you know just to be there be healthy enough to be there be part of that whole event um it really kind of puts things into perspective you know yeah you might not have the best night ever at the track but at least you were there yeah that's way better than not being there i'll tell you there's a there's a reason i haven't missed a lap in new smyrna since 2016 when i started there i just whether it's a good night or a bad night i i enjoy it so it's it's glad to hear you uh you echo those sentiments um so what's the uh what's the overall plan this year where are we going to be able to find your race uh we're kind of gonna run a little bit all over um 
obviously a lot of people know i say this a lot in my videos new smyrna is my favorite track to race at so we're going to be there as much as we can um in between the weeks there since we don't really race as frequently as some of the other divisions we'll be more than likely at auburndale most of the time and then occasionally up at citrus i think those are the three tracks we're going to work on this year and, and i hear you're going to be making your, your debut over at citrus this weekend yeah, we're planning on it. We're hoping it's going to be somewhat similar to Auburndale. We won't be too far off. Um, you know, that's not nearly the big of, as big of a jump as going from New Smyrna to a quarter mile. So hopefully, hopefully the setup we have in the car isn't too far off right now. Now, of course, every track is different. But from what I gather, it's a little bit easier to jump from Auburndale to Showtime to Citrus to 417 than to one of those tracks to, to New Smyrna or Five Flags. Um, just because, like, like we talked about earlier, the the changes, whether they be big or small, you still have to make those changes to to be able to run there. Yeah, yeah, on the car and in your brain, it's too, yes. you know, you have to drive two totally different driving styles on those tracks, let alone all the setup work. Now, you said you, I, I was going to ask this, and you already answered it, but you, you said New Smyrna is your favorite place to, to drive. Does that go for both the bomber car that you drove last year and this pro truck? I would say yes. I only ran one race at Auburndale, but I do have to admit that little quarter mile was a lot of fun in that car. You know, yeah. being able to throw a bumper here and there and it not be nearly as dramatic as what happens at New Smyrna when you throw a bumper on someone. Oh, yeah. Um, just the speed of how quick things happen around you at the quarter mile. Even though you're not going as fast, like the action around you happens so much faster. Yeah. At the bigger tracks, you can get spread out a little bit more and maybe. Some, sometimes you can run the whole race with no one even being near you. Is it the speed of New Smyrna that you like so much? I I kind of think so, yeah, yeah. honestly. But the speed and the high bank, I've never raced on a track with a high bank before, so that's that's a pretty fun thing to do, to, you know, be able to just throw it into a corner and rely on that bank to catch you. Um, and just the history of everything that goes behind New Smyrna, it's cool to be able to race in a place like that. Oh, absolutely. There's so many great people. And you saw it during Speed Weeks, all the people that were there racing just this year that are going to be part of that history going forward. William Byron, Ryan Priest, Matt Hirschman, to name a few. Um, you know, I, I know it has its stigma and, and it's a tough place to race. And a lot of people don't like it for particular reasons. But, um, you know, you're definitely not wrong about the history and, and the thrill and the excitement and the fact that it's, it is different than most of these other tracks in the state. Yeah, I think it's all about mindset, too. If you get it in your head that New Smyrna is a terrible place and you go there, you're probably going to have a terrible time. But if you go in and say, this is a historic track that's going to be a lot of fun to drive on, I'm going to have a good time, then, yeah, you're going to have a good time. So I think it's all what people make of it. If you choose to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, and, and I feel like maybe some of our guys have that same mindset about some of these other tracks that they choose not to go to. You know, maybe they had a bad experience there and they like the faster speeds and not the shorter tracks or they have – so much motor that's good at New Smyrna and isn't necessarily good elsewhere. Um, I, I just feel like everybody has their niche, and if you get outside of it and have a bad experience, then it's really easy to hop on Facebook and hey, I, 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 I am New Smyrna first. That's you know, it's where I work, it's where I choose to be, but I enjoy going to these other tracks because they are different. It's a whole different atmosphere, and I like the fact that you travel and you go to these other places and you just support racing as a whole yeah that's the way i see it. i just love short track racing as a whole so why not embrace as much of it as i can and i i can tell that you like this whole racing thing because for those that don't know jack has a pretty big following on tiktok i believe yes indeed we are approaching eleven thousand followers on tiktok right now 
So what now I I'm I'm not cool and I'm not hip. What exactly is TikTok? I don't think anyone can answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much if you can if you can imagine it, it's probably on TikTok. Okay. Um, you know, I keep my page racing specific. I make just racing videos. Some of it's kind of documenting our team. Some of it's just making a goofy video about things racers go through. Um, it's, it's basically all short track racing on my page. Um, but yeah, you can find whatever you want on there. And honestly, I didn't even think that was going to take off. I started social media making YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. um, which is growing decently quick. I had to take a couple of months off last year with all the health issues that kind of slowed that down. But all of a sudden I started making these goofy TikTok videos and it just took off. So (laughs) I kind of just ran with it. I swore I would never make videos. I mean, I started off as one of those people like you that said I was never going to download it. And I said, I'm never going to post videos. And now a year later, here we are with a huge following on there. Well, so that that's part of my fear. I feel feel like if I did get it and got, you know, behind the right things, I'd, I'd get addicted to it, too. It's, it's what happened to me with Reddit. I swore I'd never get Reddit. And now all I do is sit on Reddit looking at stuff all day. So it's a, it's a dangerous slope. But I, I know that it's, it's been successful for you. Where, where can they find you on TikTok? Yeah, just look up Jack Racing, um, J-A-C-K-E-D. If anyone wants to know where that name came from, my name is Jack, my dad. You put them together and you get Jack Racing. See, I always wondered, and now I now I know the answer. That was way too easy. Um, and then you also have, as you mentioned, the YouTube as well. Uh, where can they find you on YouTube? Yep, same thing, Jack Racing. Um, we make videos from every race go to any practice day we go to and then usually some shop videos in between so if anyone wants to see exactly what goes into running a short track car we've got it pretty much all covered on there well i'll I'll be honest with you your youtube videos that you put out that's what made me think to get in touch with you this week because you know gonna cover some nascar stuff on this show and talk a little bit about what what went on this weekend and then i saw your video at auburndale and i'm like jack would be a great guy to talk to you right now since we're at new smyrna we're kind of in the in the off season still, if you will, with speed weeks behind us. Um, but I figured it'd be fun to talk to you because you've, you just raced at New Smyrna. You just raced at Auburndale. Now you're planning to go to Citrus. You have all these different tracks that you've been to and figured it'd be kind of fun to talk to somebody that races at all these different places. So, um, it's great to hear that you're expanding and we do look forward to having you with the Ashley Holmes Jack's trucks again this year. And then, um, racing elsewhere in between. Um, I, I think it's gonna be fun to follow. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to keep learning. Hopefully, you know, get some good content to put out there and just have a good time. That's what it's all about for us, just having fun. Yes, sir. And make sure you guys do follow him. If you have TikTok or, you know, everybody's on YouTube these days, but make sure you follow Jack. It's great to see somebody in this area doing that much with their social media and and, and their presence, really putting themselves out there. Because I feel like, you know, some drivers, they kind of sit around, oh, the track never talks about us or they don't. This outlet doesn't talk about it sometimes you just got to do it yourself you know and you certainly have done that so tell us uh tell us again where where and when is your next race uh this coming saturday at citrus county it's going to be our first time going up there so we're looking forward to the challenge i think they're running wing sprint cars and crown vicks too so i think it's going to be quite the night of racing oh yeah that'll that'll be the show is it a uh, 50 lap pro truck race over there 50 laps i i i think so actually i'm I haven't checked, I guess. I'm pretty sure it's 50 laps, though. I'm being told by the peanut gallery that, yes, it will be a 50-lapper. Oh, that's good, because I think 100 laps would kick my butt right now. (laughs) Yeah, 100. See, I think 50 is, like, the perfect sweet spot for the trucks. The 100 lappers, every time I've seen one, they just tear each other up with, like, 10 laps to go. Yeah, trucks get tired, drivers get tired, and manners go out the window. 
Well, like I said, buddy, it's going to be fun following you. Uh, it was great meeting you last year and watching you kind of grow in that uh, bomber car. And um, it's going to be great having you this year with the the truck and following you throughout the season as you venture out to these different places. And, uh, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll go hang out at the racetrack again one of these nights because that was pretty fun over at Auburndale a month and a half ago. Oh, yeah. We can do that anytime as long as it's not that cold. Yes, yes. That You know, you, you saw me. I could barely stay warm that night. But uh, not only is Jack fun to watch on the racetrack, he's, he's fun to just watch the races with. So if you ever see Jack just hanging out, uh, go go talk to him. Go hang out. Um, he's he's one of the nice guys in the pits, I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Love meeting new people. We actually, got, I got to meet like seven or eight people just because they followed me on TikTok this weekend at Auburndale. So there you go. Any, anytime you see me around, come say hi. I'm always happy to chat. See, marketing himself, branching out, doing all the things and getting that uh, truck experience. Well, uh, Jack, again, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. And we wish you the best of luck this year. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, before we let you go, if you have any shout-outs or anything you want to get out there, I'll let you take the, uh, yeah, take the time. Yeah, I've got a couple of people to thank. Uh, number one is always Dad. He helps me get to the track every week. Um, wouldn't be able to do it without him. Thanks to the rest of my family, my girlfriend, everyone that supports us. Uh, a couple of our smaller sponsors, Pirate Dog Racing, Turlo's Garage, and SoCal Synthetics. Uh, we're still looking for bigger sponsors. If anyone out there is interested, we can make some goofy TikTok videos for you. So There you go. I've got a lot to offer there, but... Yeah, just everyone that's supported everything we're doing on social media and everything, it really means a lot to us. Well, Jack, uh, like I said, what, what you're doing is fantastic for the sport. I hope everything uh, – I, I hope you keep it going and hope everything goes well for you this year. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Take care. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. All right. Again, we'd like to thank Jack Hall for coming on the show here this week. Great to hear about his plans for the season and – Honestly, I think it's great that he's going to branch out and not just race at one track or not just support one track or another. Um, I, I wish more people would do this. I, I wish more of uh, our guys would, would go to other places and vice versa. Um, you know, I used to, maybe maybe when I first started, I was a little more snooty as far as, oh, New Smart is all the only thing that matters. But as I've, I've branched out and, and I've worked at other tracks now and I've gotten to know people, I, I understand that, yes, other tracks are competition, but we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to have a good time. And there are going to be situations where races are up against other races. And whether it's on purpose or not, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, they're going to get their stuff and the other track's going to get their stuff. And uh, obviously, it'd be great if everybody could work together. But it's not always feasible. And, and you can... At the beginning of the year, you can put out your schedule and you could have done your very best to make sure you didn't schedule in anything major. But the first rain out hits and reschedules start to happen. And it, it gets to the point where it comes crunch time and you can't just be like, well, I'm not going to put it there because such and such track has such and such going on. I have two dates left and I it, I, it needs to be this one because we have this and this going on the next week. So um, I, I don't. I honestly don't believe, and I used to believe that other tracks just tried to squash each other, but I don't believe that it is done 100% of the time. Sometimes there might be a little bit of, I, I see you and I'm going to, I'm going to raise you on that. I'm going to call your bluff on that. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. There might be a little bit of this and that going on. I, I, I can't say I'm not each tracks promoter, but I do like what Jack said, you know, he's going to be at New Smyrna. He's going to run the Ashley Holmes Jacks races. There's only a handful of races this year. And that gives him the opportunity to be able to go to other places. So 
I I respect that as a as a racer as a race fan I I really respect uh, Jack's take on on this whole season and I like his approach like hey we're we're not fast yet but it's not discouraging us we're we're gonna keep working at it we're gonna keep going to all these different tracks and and we'll find it and, and I think that's great because I think going out and and not being fast right off the bat can be very discouraging and sometimes it deters people from wanting to keep going but. Uh, Jack has a, a plan. Jack Jack's gonna do his thing, and, and it'll be fun to follow him. And I would like to, if we can work it out, I'd like to get him back on at the end of the year and talk to him about how his year went versus how his year started. So, big thanks to Jack Hall, uh, Jack Racing on YouTube or TikTok, um, if if that's your thing. Uh, but follow him; he's, he's a, a great social media uh, presence. He he'll make you laugh, that's for sure. So. Um, Quickly, before we wrap up this episode, I want to go through, there was four asphalt tracks that were in action last weekend, the last weekend of February. So I was able to pull up the results. Now, I'll be honest, I was not at any of these tracks. Um, I will not be at a track until um, until the 19th when New Smyrna starts back up. Um, got some other things going on, and I'm going to try to do shows Basically, I'm going to be an armchair racer on these shows. I'm going to look at the results with you guys. I want to talk about them. I want to try to talk about all the asphalt stuff. If anything major happens in the dirt world, we'll talk about that too. But this is primarily primarily an asphalt show. No, uh, no offense to dirt, but you guys, you guys know me. Um, so, like I said, I looked up the results, and I want to go over a couple of things, give some shout outs, and and cover some stuff. Um, I know that Sunshine State Racing does a great job with this kind of thing. So if you want a more in-depth look from people that were actually at the track, of course, you can check them out. Um, but I was looking at uh, 417 because they had super late models. And uh, last time I was at 417 was for the Bigley Memorial Race, which was fantastic. Of course, you can go back and listen to the show on that on that race. Um, but I see they only got eight cars. And I, I just feel like this is the new norm for some late model races. Um, it was a 100-lap race. But they're in a situation where you got to go so far down south to get there that not everybody's willing to travel down there for every single race. Now, they've had fantastic car counts in the past, but this one just... There, there's been a lot of super late model racing in the state lately, and super late model counts are creeping downwards. Not just here, at 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 417 but look at speed weeks from new smyrna it wasn't the biggest turnout of super lates it was okay and we lost a lot of cars but i i, I just feel like pro late models are on the uprise and the super late models are kind of I'm, I'm gonna say they're plateauing so uh there were eight cars jesse dutilly no surprise there was your winner over eric white out of indiana and boris jerkovic who's got a hometown of joliet illinois but we know boris is down here now uh, Jalen Bigley, fourth. Keith Roggin was fifth. John Nutley. Gavin Graham, who made his late model debut. And then Michael Atwell started second, but had bad luck. So good cars, good names. Those are our names synonymous with the 417 Speedway. And, uh, you know, missing one that I know we're missing right off the bat is uh, is the Weavers. And they had issues. If you were at the Orange Blossom race, poor Steve Weaver, he tried to start his super late. Car wouldn't start. They'd Duct taped to number 12 on uh, on David Weaver's Pro Late to try to get him on the field because he planned to be part of the show. And they pushed him out in the Pro Late wouldn't fire and he wasn't even able to start. So I guess they're still having issues with their with their fleet of cars. So they're they're an obvious absentee. 
Um, so that's too bad. Great family, the Weavers. But, um, yeah, only only eight cars, and Jesse Dutelli won that race. So no big surprise there. Uh, they also ran street stocks and only had eight of those, unfortunately, uh, which is too bad as well. Um, now, I'm not as familiar with, with most of these guys down uh, down at 417, obviously, but Bobby Huff Stutler? Stutler? Yeah, Bobby Huff Stutler was the winner there in car number 74. Sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, Dwarf Cars, they had nine of those start the feature. James McGordy was the winner there. And V8 Pure Stocks. Okay, now this, this is more like it. The Pure Stocks and the Street Stocks are different. Um, and it was Christopher Loney who won that, but only seven cars in that race. So, um, not the biggest of car counts for 417 Southern Speedway. So, I know that New Smyrna gets a lot of hate on their car counts, but, I mean, sometimes it's just all around an off night. And I've seen, looking at results from 417 before, much better showings. And I'm sure, you know, there's like virtually no off-season for some of these tracks. So I think some people use these winter months to get stuff um, to, to get stuff back going. Uh, another deal that ran was the TQ Midgets. And Stephen Hollinger beat his father, Rex, for the win there. So congratulations to Stephen beating Dad there. Uh, it's funny, they both have different hometowns, Melbourne and Titusville. Um, but, uh, yeah, Stephen Hollinger won the TQ midget feature. Only three cars started that one. So, um, maybe a bit of a down night. If anybody was there and wants to chime in on, on the atmosphere, maybe it was a spectacular race. Again, I'm ar- armchair racing this, uh, um, just observing from the results here. I don't know how the race was. I, I assume that Jesse Dutilly, um, kind of whooped up on these guys as he can typically do at 417, but, uh, Congrats to Jesse, and I'm sure we'll we'll have much better things to report from 417 as we go forward. Um, Showtime Speedway had the Dave Steele Championship night one and night two. Now, of course, if you don't know Dave Steele, longtime um, winged sprint car driver in the state, passed away uh, a couple of years ago, and that was pretty unfortunate. But looking at things here, they st- they ran modifieds. Um, and it was LJ Graham in that 54 car. Man, I'm telling you, that 54 is a good piece. And if if you get to race that car, you're in for a good night. LJ Graham was your winner over Brad Bowman and Devin McLeod back in the modified. So three good names there. Kyle Bookmiller fourth. Our own Timmy Moore, who's, uh, you know, he's got his 57 car back running again, which is good to see. He kind of runs that on these other tracks and runs the 15 for Brickhouse at, at New Smyrna. So Timmy was fifth. Glad he got his uh, car fixed after he brought it out to Speed Weeks one night and things did not go well. Um, Mark Nelson, John Anderson, Robert Whitaker, Dodge Carlbert, Kip McVeigh, Robert Yoho, and Dwayne Dempsey were the 12 cars that started that event. They ran Ford figure eights. Uh, Shane Grigsby won that one. Good field of 13 starting that. Um, they had, of course, the non-winged sprint car heats. Heat one went to Davey Hamilton. Heat two went to Cody Swanson, who we all know Cody Swanson from Speed Weeks in 2021 when he won the Pro Late Model Championship. Uh, Bobby Santos also in action. Looks like they had 13 sprint cars. So not terrible, not terrible. So that's uh, quick results from night one. Let's look at Dave Steele Championship night two. Modifieds raced again. And this time it was LJ Grimm in the 25 car. So his own ride, uh, from what I gather here. Uh, LJ Grimm, winner of both nights. Devin McLeod second. Kyle Bookmiller, Timmy Moore. So basically everybody moved up a spot. Uh, Dodge Carlbert fifth. And you have John Anderson, Mark Nelson, Yoho, Whitaker, and McVeigh. So 10 cars on night number two. Uh, 
they did Oval Ford Outlaws, and Joshua Ryan won over a field of a great field of 17 cars. And they had super many late models that night, uh, 10 cars there, and it was Dustin Deschamps who won in the 05. Super mini late model. No, that's a heat. Looking at the heat races. Um, so the non-wing sp- uh, sprint car feature went to Kyle O'Gara, who is out of Beach Grove, Indiana, according to the results. So an outsider came down. Great to see some some out-of-towners. Uh, they started 14 cars on, on a track like Showtime for non-wing sprint cars. Yeah, that, that's going to be a heck of a show. Um, it was O'Gara over Davey Hamilton LJ Grimm, great day for LJ. He was third. Colton Bettis was fourth. Shane Butler in fifth. Shane's a great guy. Um, there was some action, I believe, between Cody Swanson and Bobby Santos, if I'm not mistaken. I, I know some guys got into it, and um, it was kind of some wild stuff. So seemed like a great doubleheader over at Showtime. Um, you know, 14 sprint cars, about as good as you can ask for. Um, any, I, I say anything over 15 these days for a regular show is a good field. So they had a good field to afford outlaws and the modifieds, they were solid, but man, modifieds are tough. It's a tough draw. It really is. Um, I've been over to citrus and they had a big modified race and they were at like 13. So if you can get 10, you're doing, you're doing all right. Um, of course would have liked to seen five, six, seven more. Um, but again, car count doesn't make everything. So I'm sure, I'm sure the racing was fine. And, uh, man, when you had four racetracks racing at the same time, there was a lot of bleed over and, uh, Probably would have been a few more people able to get to one place or another if they weren't all racing at the same time. Switching over now to, oh, he, yeah, here, here we go. We had Modifieds at uh, Citrus as well. So they had 10, 11, whatever over at, at Showtime, and they had 13, which isn't bad. Again, not bad. So if, if both tracks weren't running at the same time, it probably would have been, you know, 15, 16 for whichever track was running. So... Could have been worse. Um, Citrus ran the open wheel modified uh, 50 lap feature, and that was won by Richie Smith in the 42. I guess Mr. Bruce Bennett uh, had a great run going, and it's been the story of his year. It's uh, great runs and nothing to show for it. He had another parts failure, finished in the 12th position. So Richie Smith um, wins over Donnie Duchesne. Uh, Bobby Diesler is third. Fourth is Stephen Heiss. Brad Bowman, that's who we were missing from Showtime on night number two. So Brad split. He went one night at, at showtime and then one night over to citrus. That's cool. That that's a good way to, um, you know, split it up in the 45. Remember LJ won on the 45 and then his own car, the 45 went over to citrus with Jason Lester driving. So, um, interesting, very interesting that we did have a couple of splits there. Um, Roger Blevins, seventh, Sean Bailey, eighth, ninth was Troy Robinson, then Brandon Baker, Jimmy Popers, Bennett, and James Ellis rounding out your field. So not too bad for the open wheel modifieds over there at Citrus. Uh, let's see what else did they race their, their results. I have to navigate a little bit here. Uh, Ford outlaws, Ford outlaw feature. Let's check that out. Very popular division over there. Very fun division over there. 24 cars. It looks like 23 started the feature. Uh, so that's a great turnout. Like I said, in my opinion, if you get over 15, that, that's a great turnout. Uh, if you're over 20, that's fantastic. Um, but it was Braden Boardman in the 3B. That's a new name for me. Uh, Braden was the winner over there over Thomas Pete. Daniel Webster in an outlaw. That's pretty cool. Um, Mike Kierman, Eric Sharon, your top five there. Keith Zavril, a um, uh, super late driver. Man, I'm telling you, people are just going out and have fun with these Crown Vicks. I wish we could get ours. 
going over at New Smyrna a little bit better. But it looks like it's going to be a fun year for the Bomber B class, which isn't a Ford Outlaw-only division, by the way. Um, let's see. Uh, Chucky Hearn, Clint Hicks, Clayton Coey, and Kevin Veltman, your top 10 over there. So that looked like a lot of fun, just judging from what I see here. Um, they also ran uh, uh, figure eights, and they had 12 of the Outlaws run the figure eights. So... You know, 12 Brave Souls. That was won by Thomas Pete. Uh, they had Pure Stocks and Street Stocks. So let's see. Pure Stocks. And again, I'm going through this live, by the way. I know it's kind of a weird way to do it, but 19 Pure Stocks. That's a great turnout. 19 Pure Stocks. David Kingsbury wins over Sport Wilson. Um, Eric Stokes, Larry Welter, and Jojo uh, Vivrido. That's, that's an interesting name. He was fifth. James Johnson, 6th. Wes Wilson, 7th. Wes Rounds, 8th. Cleve Lewis in ninth, And Cody Struble rounding out your top 10. Uh, Pure Stocks at Citrus, at Auburndale, wherever. Pure Stocks and Thunder, uh, Super Stocks, man. Two of my... I know they're slightly different. Basically the same thing. They're, they're awesome. Awesome. So I'm sure that was a great race over there. Citrus as always. And then they were in the Outlaw Street Stocks, which are similar but different. And... Um, you guys know the differences way better than I do. It's uh, You can do a little bit more with the bodies, that's for sure, on these street stocks. But that was won by, no surprise, Jonathan Appleby. Peanut Waller, second. Uh, Jace Henley, third. Joe Girard, fourth. And Cody Struble, rounding at your top uh, five. 13 car started. That's a good turnout for the Outlaws. So, uh, looks like a great night over at Citrus if you made it out over there. Uh, and if you did and you want to tell me more about it, by all means, please, please comment below. Um, and then Auburndale was also in action. They had a couple of 50 lap turnouts or a couple of 50 lap races, a disappointing turnout for the sportsmen. And that's kind of been the story over there the last couple of times. Actually, it looks like they shortened this race to 30 laps. Um, the last time I announced over at Auburndale for sportsmen, I think it was eight or nine cars as well. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with the sportsmen over there. Uh, if, if, with this new Wheelman thing, I, I I think more people are just concentrating on the Wheelman series, and that's fine. Um, but again, that's definitely, unless there's something else going on over there at Auburndale uh, behind the scenes that I don't quite, uh, that I'm not quite up to speed on as to why there's not more cars. But uh, Adam Briggs won over Kevin Macy. Charlie Brown was third. Cody Brinson fourth. Gary McFall, who ran New Smyrna a couple weeks ago, uh, fifth. James Seabright seventh. And George Gorham in the triple five, actually a lap down, so... Uh, that's uncharacteristic for George. Um, oh, George Graham. My bad, not George Gorham. So I apologize to George. I thought that seemed odd. So George Graham II. Uh, I, I see George at uh, Armadale, and I immediately think George Gorham. So that was the seven drivers that started over there. Um, kind of disappointing, but hey, that's the way the wheel turns sometimes. Congrats to Adam Briggs over there. Uh, Pro Truck, though. My goodness. Uh, uh, buddy of mine, Steven. You guys know Steven. He was over at uh, he was over at Armadale helping out Jack Hall. And uh, he texted me and said, there's 18 trucks here. And that's awesome. I think we started 14 for the charity race. And for just this 50 lapper, we're up to 18. And there's some new trucks that uh, made their way out there. So we'll talk about this for a little bit because I, I see good things for the pro truck ranks, especially at Auburndale. Uh, 18 trucks, and it was Chase King who got the win in that pretty 24 over Beck Monopoly and Kristen Clements. So the ladies had a good showing. Cody McDuffie, great to see him back. Uh, he was fourth. Daniel McLean in the 21M, he was in fifth. Sixth was Carter Brown. Chris Rummel making a start uh, up from the Outlaws, for the Ford Outlaws to the trucks now. 
Chris Rummel in the 52 was seventh. Maria Martins, uh, that's a name that I'm familiar with from the Pure Stocks. She finished in eighth, so three females in the top eight over there. Uh, Grant Thompson, or Garrett Thompson, I'm sorry, in the 51. Then George Gorham the third. He was 10th in the 10 car. Blake Clouser making his debut in the 53. And Todd Hay, good to see those two trucks back in action. Then you have Wilson Martins, Maria's brother. He was 13th. Um, Palmer Hag was in 4th. Jack Hall, who we just talked to. Again, struggled a little bit, but uh, he was 15th. So he beat a few people. Michael Meeks, Bobby Mobley now has a truck, and Paul Grunovich made the trip over after we saw Paul during the World Series. So that, to me, that race right there, and looking at the results, 12 or 11 or 12, um, yeah, 12, 11, okay, it was 11. The, the results are kind of crooked on here. 11 of the 18 starters on the lead lap. So it looks like a good competitive race, and uh, Chase King won by over half a second over Becca and Kristen. Um, yeah, that that right there would have been worth the the price of admission uh, for Auburndale for sure. So congratulations to Chase. Great turnout for the pro trucks over there. Um, also running was the Pure Stocks, and they had 16, 17 Pure Stocks, a couple of disqualifications. Um, so a good field of Pure Stocks. I guess it was 19. I guess the DQs are, are bunched in here. Um so you had 19 at Armadale. You had, you know, 17, 18, whatever it was, over at Citrus. So between the two tracks, you can't really complain. Uh, if, if only one track was running, you probably would have had 20-plus in each class. Uh, but Levi Hobbs in the 10X was the winner. Brandon Ducher was second. Tim Rushing third. Cody Gill and Bobby Mobley rounding out your top five. Um, looking at some other notables here. Uh, Ross Francisco, 13th, Ted Head, 14th. Ted's got a pure stock now. That's cool. Good to see him back running. Um, Austin Taylor and Zach Briggs were DQ'd. So uh, pure stocks is always a, a good show. I, I can tell by the fact that they had they had 12 finish on the lead lap. So uh, it's a good good show, good turnout. Looks like a good night for, um, for Auburndale for sure. They ran... The Mini Cup Young Guns, Carson Roberts won over a four-car field in that, but that's to be expected. Uh, seven of the Mini Cup Masters, so not too bad there. Hunter Harmon, the winner in that one. And they also ran Scramblers, the four-cylinders over there. 17 starters, great turnout, great turnout. Very solid, as it has been in my experience at Auburndale. Uh, I get out to Auburndale more than some of these other tracks for sure. Um but it was Bray Ganey in the uh, hatchback, the old Saturn hatchback, taking the win. Matt Miller, second. Kelly Hahn, third. Dustin Kirkland in the copper car. He was fourth. Fifth was William Kearns. Kirby Graham, Kevin Grant, Shane Bennett, Fred Wilson, and Jared Sheffield. Your top ten. So looking at the results, nine on the lead lap. Probably a pretty wild one, as is typical with these uh, with the Scramblers. But a good turnout for the Scramblers. And again, Bray Ganey gets the win there. And they had legends, too. Legends were back, seven of them, and it was Lacey Cool getting the win in the four car. And back to Sportsman. So that's a quick, quick racing, you know, Central Florida racing recap, racing roundup, whatever you want to call it. Um, mostly just the names, but uh, for those of you that went to these various tracks, if you have comments, if there's a particular race that stood out, obviously I watched nothing about these races. I was just looking and discussing because um, I wanted to cover some local Florida stuff. Uh, that's the way the show is going to be the next couple of weeks before 
We get dialed back up at New Smyrna on the 19th. Uh, next weekend, I will not be able to, um, we'll be celebrating a birthday uh, next Saturday, so I won't be at any tracks. Um, but I, I'm going to kind of do the same thing, look at results, kind of talk about any big things that come up, and uh, just give you guys some coverage. I, I want to try to cover everything. My experiences will be primarily New Smyrna. Um, but what we're going to try to talk to guests from, from all over the place, talk to some, uh, people, uh, you know, if, if you want to be on the show, if you listen to this and you think, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me because I'm not from New Smyrna or I don't race there. Or I don't like New Smyrna false. I'd love to talk to anybody. Um, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me, uh, either personally, you can find my number on the New Smyrna Speedway contact page. Uh, feel free to reach out to me there. You can message me on Facebook. You can message me on the Racing with Ryan page. Um, however, however you want to get in contact with me, that's fine. I'll interview anybody. You don't have to race here. Um, you don't even have to be a racer. You could work somewhere. Um, you could be a fan. I'll talk to fans too. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, if you go to a race, you're like, hey, Ryan, I'd really like to, to be on your show and tell you about what happened at track A, track B. By all means, please let me know. Um, I am totally up for that because I do like to branch out and cover yeah, mostly regional stuff, but some of the bigger races. We've done Speed Fest in the past, um, the Snowball Derby. I know that's still kind of regional, if you will, but um, I like to talk about these these other races and uh, make this an all-encompassing podcast, even though you'll get, like I said, my experiences from New Smyrna most of the time because, well, hey, it's my show and that's where I'm at 90% of the time. So um, appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode. Hope you enjoyed the NASCAR analysis. I know that was kind of long-winded, but um, I think it's a big deal that NASCAR gets off to a good start uh, so that we can enjoy, actually enjoy the product on Sundays again and, and talk about it with, with not such a, a negative connotation anymore. Um, of course, we'll cover Las Vegas next week too, and we'll see what kind of drama develops there. Um, two weeks in a row, teammates getting into each other on the final laps, battling for a win. We'll see if any of that drama boils over for the rest of the year. And um, who knows? We'll see what uh, we'll see what comes up for these hot topics on next week's show. Again, um, thank you to our sponsors: American Auto, Speed Racer Photography, and 124 Welding and Fabrication. Appreciate y'all's support. If you would like to become a sponsor, um, the sponsorship opportunities are unlimited. I only charge five dollars an episode. Um, you know, if you give me a lump sum of cash, well, I give you that amount of episodes. Um, also, if you just want to become a partner. Maybe I'll think about doing a Patreon if you want to, you know, support the show a dollar a month or whatever. Um, and, and not necessarily be a sponsor, but you want to support the show another way. I'll consider that as well. Um, obviously the show isn't about begging for money, but the support is greatly appreciated. It does help out. It helps us get to, uh, some of these other races. Everybody knows gas is getting expensive, really expensive. Um, but it does help us get to these other races to, uh, to give you better coverage than me just reading the results on the off weekend. So thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch up with you next week. Take care, and make sure you get out and support your local short tracks.